ConnectCloud. Get connected, cyber safe is our mantra. From tailored managed security solutions to our next generation cloud platform, MetCloud will drive your organization forward and help it thrive. You can keep up to date with us in all things cybersecurity by following us on Twitter at MetCloud underscore com. We're also on LinkedIn and YouTube. You can find the links to our social media pages and blogs via our website, metcloud.com. Welcome to the Vanguard Podcast, everyone. And today my guest is Melissa Snova, who is an award-winning entrepreneur and visionary in the world of food technology and 3D printing. Melissa is currently the founder and CEO of Remedy Health, which pioneers personalized solutions across preventative and curative health under the brands Nourished and Scripted. Previously, Melissa was Managing Director of the Magic Candy Factory, which created the world's first 3D printer for gummy candy. And it's safe to say Melissa is not short of talents or ideas and seems to be always hitting the nail on the head when it comes to success. Melissa, thank you so much for joining me today on the Vanguard Podcast and welcome. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. Thank you. And and we were just uh, talking before we started recording about being here in, in the lovely UK with the weather that we're having and so forth. But I'd love to get an overview of um, how you ended up being here in the UK and what is the um, what is the story? Sure. So, yeah, so I came over here actually to do um, my MBA. I went to Lancaster Business School, which is up in the north, just on the edge of the Lake District, very beautiful place. And I was studying business. And part of my project for my dissertation was to set up a company, uh, which I did. And that business did relatively well at the time. I Yeah, perspective is everything. It did very well. So I stayed in the UK to run it because I was, I think, employing three people by the time I finished. Wow. And um, yeah, I really fell into entrepreneurship at that stage, never on purpose, never with design. Um, I never grew up thinking I want to be an entrepreneur. It wasn't even a thing when I was a child. And really that business taught me a lot about finding market gaps, creating solutions that were missing in the market that could improve people's lives um, from any number of different things. And really, I sold that company about five years later, started my first FMCG, so fast-moving consumer goods product in 2010, when I developed the world's first vegan allergen-free gummy candy, about 10 wow. years too early for vegan, uh, the vegan trend that is the explosive. Before your time, Melissa. Yeah, right. I, I mean, I have some, uh, I had some amazing experiences with that. I was laughed out of the offices of major supermarket chains. Um, one buyer in particular told me to take the word vegan off the packaging because it would scare the consumer. Um, but who's laughing now? So Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So I was able to grow that brand to about 40,000 stores in less than two years and sold it to a big PLC um, based in Stockholm called Cloetta. And on the back of my experience there, making that product really in massive factories, which is really how 99% of all products that you find in the mass market are made, yeah. um, I, was, I was deeply dissatisfied by the limitations that this had. So you had humongous minimum order quantities, extremely long lead times, tons and tons of limitations on the variance that you could create and certainly that you could create profitably. And you could never make enough varieties to be able to please everyone all the time. And MPD, so new product development, took a minimum of two years to make a new flavor. Wow. And so once I had all that 
um, you know, cash in the bank after the sale, I decided I wanted to do something about that. And that's really when I started working in the area of 3D printing. And at that stage, I'd never used a 3D printer before in my life. I had studied a little bit of engineering and I was what my father calls a tinkerer, but (laughs) really I'd never used one. So I bought them off Amazon, took them apart, put them back together, read every book I could find, learned G-coding and and developed the first um, FDA and FSA compliant 3D food printer in around six months, which I patented and brought to market in... um, in in order to make custom confectionery at that stage in live consumer environments. And this really was solving this, you know, being able to make people whatever they wanted at that moment. That business went on to be rather large, about 150 deployments around the world. You can still find it around the world in places like Warner Brothers World, um, Dubai Mall, Hong Kong Duty Free. Um, And really it was a humongous advancement, but I knew that we hadn't found the perfect and most valuable market fit for that power of that technology. Mm-hmm. And so in 2019, I started to work on ways I could take that, that existing tech that we'd developed and expand it and use it to personalize the thing that most desperately needs personalization um, and not currently getting it at all, which is health and wellness. The idea yeah. that, you know, you can have custom trainers and a custom car. All my clothes are custom because I can choose so many different varieties, colors, cuts, et cetera. But I'm taking the same medicine or vitamin as my mom. Yes. Why? That's insane. And so we set about to fix that and set up Remedy Health Group at the end of 2019 and then developed 3D printing technology to make personalized nutrition and personalized medicine, which we launched in Jan 2022, 2020. And now we are in 2022. Yeah, we are. We, we finally got there, right? After I know. the last couple of years. <laughs> what a whirlwind. Wow. What a whirlwind. What a whirlwind has the last 10 years been for you? I mean, that's just staggering what you've achieved over the last, you know, that, that that's a lifetime achievement in 10 years, you know, for, for a lot of people. Um, I, I guess one of the questions I've got is, you know, I, I'm a little bit like you, I'm a tinkerer, you know, I'm a trained toolmaker by trade, not that I've used it in 40 years or whatever, but I'm not that old, 30 years. Um, but, um, you know, to, to learn about 3D printing, because, you know, we all know about 3D printing. We all saw it on, saw it on Tomorrow's World or, you know, future future shows about, oh, how I can build a model car using, you know, um, melted plastic that will 3D print. And, you know, we're even seeing 3D print, three, the concept of 3D printing now building houses um, and so forth. How do you, how do you actually make a 3D printed gummy? I mean, how, how does that work and, and how is it different to, you know, injecting, I, I guess there's, there is no difference in injecting, you know, liquid glucose or whatever it is that makes gummies to compared to liquid plastic. Would that be a fair comment? Well, no, I think, yeah, your question is a really good one. So 3D printers that most people have seen and that you can, that are kind of readily available, but not well adapted by the main market um, are these things that basically take something called filament. It's actually, it looks like string or yarn, but it's made of plastic. It gets put through a a hot end is what it's called. And that melts it down. And then the 3d printer basically lays that exact same material down in a different shape, basically. So there's no phase change and there's only one material. And really you're making something extremely slow, but very unique and very specific. And in cases in ways that you could never make in traditional manufacturing. And it's very valuable in that, in those ways. But what I was trying to do was 
actually create a 3D printer that was a food safety compliant, which is yeah. different. When you put something in your mouth, it's mm-hmm. regulated with the same level of adherence and st- um, scrutiny as as medication, really, up until a point, really. Yeah. Because the health of the consumer, the public is at risk, right? Of course. So how can you preserve hygiene? How can you ensure dosaging control? And more importantly, how can you combine multiple materials into one thing to make it highly beneficial? Because just making a pretty gummy um, in a cool shape with just one thing in it isn't really valuable, really. Gotcha. Not adding anything. And so our 3D printers are called Hepticombo technology, and we have 15 patents in total now that we've developed proprietarily in Birmingham. And these printers have seven extruder heads that are going at all different times yep. with a really cool patented matrix inside of each of those with different active ingredients that are being deposited with the right dosages for the mm-hmm. right combination for the individual, which is determined by an algorithm linked to yeah a humongous amount of data. Wow, I'm 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 riveted. You know, as an engineer or a tinkerer, as um, well, let's use your comment. I'm I'm infatuated by this. I cannot wait to to learn more about this. By the way, sadly, we don't have it. You know, we don't have three hours to go through it all. But traditionally, three um, D printers that I've seen. Uh, 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 are pretty slow. If you're going to build something, you you do it, you set it before you go to bed, and by the time you get up the next yeah. day, you will you will have it. You know, we're talking mass production here. We're talking, I guess, would it be fair to say bespoke mass production? It um, is. Yeah. So so that being the case, how have you? And and I know it's all painted in and so forth, but how does the technology differ from what I can buy in a, in a hobby shop, you know, with a 3d printer compared to what you do? Cause surely your stuff must be going in a million miles an hour, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And you nailed the difference really in what we do mm-hmm. compared to traditional 3d printing. So you have mass production, which is doing everything exactly the same with very large amounts, very large machines, you know, in, like everybody's seen a video of a factory, right? Yeah, yeah. And then you have these tiny 3D printers making one little thing and it takes forever and it's quite mesmerizing to <laughs> yeah. watch it, right? But it is it is very tedious. And, you know, hopefully when you go to bed, you wake up and it's right. But if your design was flawed, flawed in any way, then it's all broken and you have to start again, right? Whereas with our, with our printing technology, we make something that is scalable for mass market and produces a product at a price point that the mass market will be able to accept that's good value. And so our printers can make a month's supply of unique product, each with seven unique elements and a unique flavor. So eight different variables in each one, Mm -hmm. 28 individual units in three minutes. Wow. (laughs) Wow. That is, that is impressive. Yeah, and we have a new printer that we've just we're just testing right now, which is called an. Um, well, I can't go into too much detail. Of but course. Basically, if you imagine a printer farm, I don't know if you've ever seen the videos of all the printers in like a little farm going all at once. Yep. So this is a printer farm for customized medicine and food, and you can actually make, uh, in less than forty-five seconds, the same thing. That's amazing. That is simply amazing. I've, I, I seriously, I, I'm not just saying this because you're a guest on the podcast, but this seriously intrigues me. I, I, I can't wait to, to learn more about it. I, I want to ask you about inspiration because, you know, you must have had an inspiration somewhere. I read somewhere about a, a supposed airport mishap. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this was something I, I, I found out from research. But what was the inspiration behind this? 
yeah, that that's that story really did happen. And I actually right. on the plane did write like basically draw what I wanted to make um, on the plane on a napkin. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, yeah, it is. We still have a picture of it that they use for like Throwback Friday on social. So basically, we were doing Magic Candy Factory. I was traveling all over the world. We were getting huge placements. It was highly profitable, but it was also a novelty. You know, like at the end of the day, the technology could make anything in confectionery, but yeah. it was still confectionery at the end of the day. So the most popular product Magic Candy Factory made was something called a sweet selfie. So this was basically, you could go in and you could take like an image from your Instagram or you could have your photo taken right there in the store and it would make your face in candy in any color, in any flavor combination that you wanted. That's awesome. And it was super cool, but how many candy sweet selfies do you need? How many candies of your face do you need in your life? Like of course. not one a day. Is it going to change your life? No, it probably delights you, educates you, but maybe, you know, there's more. So when I was on my way back from one of these events where I had been making sweet selfies for media and people at this big launch event all day, I was in the queue for, um, you know, to go through security, you know, hand luggage only at Dusseldorf airport. Yep. And, very unfortunate incident. I used to carry around a disgusting Ziploc bag full of vitamins. I've been an avid user of supplements, optimization, green juice, et cetera, since my twenties. Mm-hmm. And the zipper on my carry on bag just unfortunately grabbed that plastic bag inside in, at the wrong angle, ripped it open and then flew the vitamins all over the floor in the middle of, you know, a German um, airport security area. Oh, fantastic. It wasn't super great. And (laughs) (laughs) I'm on my hands and knees picking them up. Everyone is very annoyed. Like, you know, this like, poof, you know, everyone was very, very, very annoyed with me for going down the queue. And I just thought to myself at that moment, there's got to be a better way to do this. And then I thought, oh my God, we can make customized gummies gummy vitamins are the fastest growing segment of vms i wonder if we could make a customized combination um gummy with with health at the focus of it instead of novelty that is fantastic the idea came from yeah that is fantastic and and so you you got on the plane you did the the old napkin business plan yeah um how long did it take and 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 what um, what feedback did you get? Did you get back and speak to you know friends, family, whatever, and they say you're that's just idiotic, or you know did they say you know what that's a great idea? You need to take it here. We can do this. We can do that. What was the what was the next phase of that, Melissa? So um, I don't usually tell people my ideas until I'm pretty confident that they're going to go well. So when I when I think about it, what did I really do? I spoke to my business partner of the previous company, Magic Candy Factory, and I said, I really think that we're missing a trick. This technology that we've done, that I've done, and that we've been able to apply to this one use, Think I think that there's a better way. And I presented him, you know, basically a business plan, what I, which I put together with market data and et cetera, and how yep. I think we could do it. And I thought he was not going to like it, to be honest. I really thought he would be very much against it. He, focus on what we're doing, you know, that kind of thing. And he's a good mentor, you know, so he often will steer me, you know, in the right direction. Yeah. He loved it. And he said, this is absolutely a better way to use this technology. Um, I think it's a great idea, but you're going to need a new business to do this. And we're going to need, you're going to need money to build a factory, et cetera. And so really on the back of that meeting, I went away and I spoke to my core team at the current business, all of which came with me to the new business, by the way. That's awesome. Um, and, and basically said, you guys, I have an idea 
and we're going to pursue it and we're going to run feasibility tests and we're going to run some, some design um, prototypes and we're going to see if we can do this and how much we think is it's going to take to turn it into an actually living, breathing, sleeping thing. Um, and we did that. And then in 2019, at the very end of the year, we set the business up because we, we had done a feasibility and I went out to raise money for the very first time because my other two companies, I really had started really, you know, bootstrapped and then, yeah. and then increased. And it, once or twice I had one or two other investors that came in that were friends and family. Of course. Were, not, not, not the kind of thing that, like not venture capital. I'm not seed funding. Company. Yeah. yeah. And so with the seed round, I had to learn, just like with the 3D printing element, everything from scratch. I read every book on venture. I read every single Crunchbase post for like a really long time. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I did tons of research about how it works. I got a really, really good um, legal support in Cooley and basically started scouting for potential investors and putting together an investment deck and doing teaser and learning on the go just how hard it is to get people to give you money when all you have is an idea. Right. Yeah. And um, really it was very difficult, but, but I always look at those things. Like I enjoy the difficult because I know that it's going to be an incredible education and I don't expect anything um, worth doing to be easy. I actually find a lot of, um, well, I look at it very doubtfully. If I, something is too easy, I'm like, yeah, mm. It doesn't seem right. Anything worth doing is hard and I accept it and expect it. You know, I think so. And, and basically I learned all of that from scratch. In the end, what happened was I was able to raise the highest ever female founder seed round in UK history. And the thing that I want to say about that is it was only two and a half million pound. And I want somebody to go out there and beat me immediately because that's not enough to be the limit. Women yeah. should be going out there raising money and getting hundred percent agree. What's the difference? What there's no yeah. difference. There yeah, is no a good difference. idea. If it's a good idea and there's yeah. a business behind it, I don't care who you are. Well, and I think really that's a whole nother topic. But I think really yeah. a lot of it is there's not women asking for seed funding. Yeah. And we yeah. need to get women into the frame of mind at a very much younger age that this is a potential future for them. And that this is something they can do. So they start putting it into their mind. And I think that a lot of times that is actually part of the issue. It's not 100%, but it is definitely, when you look at how many people go out and look for money, there is a huge, huge discrepancy between the number of male-founded or male and female-founded versus female-founded or minority-founded businesses. So So true. So, yes. true. so then we got two and a half million. We built a, a factory, a very decent sized factory. We hired people. We set up an ERP system. We built a ton of printers. We developed 95 formulations, did around 100,000 tests on them. And we launched that product into market in January of 2020. Uh, What was it? 10 weeks before the first COVID lockdown. (laughs) Oh, no. You don't do things by half, Melissa, do you? You couldn't make it up, really. (laughs) Um, It was nuts. And I was like... Well, good thing we're all cloud-based. Good yeah. thing, good thing that we're a food business, so we're allowed to keep trading. Yep. And um, aren't I lucky that I have such a devoted group of people around me that care deeply about what we're doing? And um, yeah, we we made it through that. The team showed themselves to be incredible in 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 a crisis, and made me very proud, and I think made themselves proud as well. And and we came out of it and. We supported our local community. We 3D printed PPE. We made hand sanitizer in our lab um, and really just tried to do as much as we could for our local community. But in the end, 
everybody chucked in and um, yeah, we came out of it the other side, you know, where a lot of other businesses did not um, come out of it in anywhere near the same position. And I'm very grateful for that. If data had a sound, it could be this. The sound of important and sensitive information leaking out of your business. MedCloud. Get connected. Cyber safe. I think uh, led by led from the front too by the sound of it, Melissa, as well. So congratulations to you and your team for for doing what you did in regards to the sanitizers, PPE, and and, and helping the nation get through it. I think uh, hats off to you as well. The the one of the things I wanted to ask you about, and you may, you mentioned it earlier about your partner, um, your partner in the previous business being a mentor. Um, you know, I have I have one. Um, sadly, I had two, but my my dad passed away last year. But um, yeah, thanks. But um, the um, my ment, I, I I depend on him for for most of my career decisions, and I will say that I've depended on on Gary for probably the past twenty years, and he's always been there for me. You know, um, I you know I, I live in the UK. My dad was in Australia. Gary was always not not a father figure, but just a phenomenal mentor that just always was challenging. Um, he was always. Uh, on the fence, so you know, I had to make the decision, but he always nurtured me. Um, do you, you, you obviously still have mentors, but do you find mentoring your team or mentoring others is that something that you enjoy or something that you inspire uh, aspire to do further? So, yeah, I think to give some context on my mentor, I never had a mentor really my whole life. Uh, I did a lot of things alone and, um, it was extremely scary. I really, you know, like when I was doing goody good stuff, I had, uh, which was the gummy candy. I had no, no one really, uh, who I could ask even like, what do you think about this? Is this normal? What do you do? Yeah. Like, yeah. and, um, although that taught me a humongous amount and put all of the onerousness on me to learn everything, it was also really lonely and it was very, um, mentally, it was more painful than it had to be, I think is what I, right. what, what I've learned from it. Although, yeah. I, I'm glad for the education again, but it was, you know, it would have been amazing to have someone that I could have called on um, from time to time to, to give me just a bit of, oh, validation, you yes. know, validate yes. what I'm doing. Am I all right? Like, I don't yes. I'm not sure what I'm doing is correct. Um, and when I met him, um, he, he actually came as a, well, he came in as a business partner after seeing what I had done with GGS and he, really wanted to work with me on a new project. And I, and I was actually extremely flattered by this because I thought very highly of him already. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what I, what happened out was that, yes, of course we are business partners. He is, he is demanding, but absolutely deserves to be yeah. as any good, um, you know, top of the tree should be. Yeah. Um, but he ended up being an extremely strong friend to me. He was there for me in um, personal times, but also, really helped me to make big decisions 
in times that I didn't want to make them <laughs> and yeah. um, <clears throat> where I was, where I was um, reluctant to make them. And so one of the things he taught me, which I think is important and that I try and teach my team. So the question you originally asked was, do I mentor my team a mm-hmm. thousand times? Yes. Yeah. So I give my team leadership training. Yep. We do hard decision work, uh, hard um, conversation workshops. I do delegation workshops. I do. Um, and I try and give them advice, small pieces of advice, every single time that we have one-to-ones and I have one, I have around 15 one-to-ones a week at the moment because so many of my team are a new or B um, I think benefiting from that. And I, and I benefit from it too. But one of the things that he taught me how to do was he taught me how to say goodbye to something that I had created and loved, not because I was supposed to not love it anymore, but because it wasn't the right thing to do anymore. Yeah. And that is super hard when you, when you create something, you love it and you will do any, I mean, I would have killed myself finding a way to make it work and him pushing me forward in the new idea that I had and let, and giving me kind of the confidence to let go of something without feeling I've failed as much. Okay. And I don't care about failure really, but it's this thing I created is not a failure. It was a stepping stone to bring me to where I am today. Absolutely. one of the things he always says to me is, I don't tell you anything that you don't already know. I'm simply your mirror repeating back to you what is already being said to yourself in your head. Oh, I love that. Mm. I love that. Very good. That's a quote you can put on the wall. He is so good. And and to be honest, he is hard on me from time to time. And he and he should be because I don't want to be the time. But he is also, whenever I have really needed him, whenever things have been really, really scary or very, very, you know, look at what's happened in the last three years. I know no matter what I can call on him and I don't call on him often, but when I can't, when I do, he has never let me down. And I think that's an amazing thing to have that trust between two people. Yeah, I, de- I definitely agree. And, and, and like I said earlier, I share that with, uh, with, with someone here as well. And, and um, you know, you can go three months without speaking to them, but um, you always know that they're going to, they're going to challenge you, but you also know that you're going to be a better person at the end of that conversation. Totally. Yeah. Absolutely. I agree. I agree. You spoke about the team earlier too, Melissa, and, and you know, we've all worked for companies. Most people have worked for companies where culture is is at the essence and sometimes it's part of their mission statement. Um, we've, you know, I, I, I've worked for companies where, you know, it's all well and good that culture is part of the mission statement, but you also have to live by that culture as well and not just have it on the wall or not just have it uh, written on a document. Um Tell me a little bit about the culture there. You come across as, you know, very much part of that one team, um, learning from your team as much as you're helping your team p- progress into leadership and so forth. What's the culture at Nourished like? And 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 give us a little bit of an overview of, of what's important to you from a culture perspective. Yeah, thank you. That's a great question. So culture is actually – the culture that we have built within Remedy Health is actually the thing in my career that I'm the most proud of. Great. I'm more proud of it than everything else that we've achieved, more proud of it than the patents, the business success. It is it is an incredible place to work. It is enjoyable, supportive, challenging. We are doing things that no one has ever done before every day and we are we are rising people up with support. We are bringing people out of grad school, out of no school and making them part of something that is not a family. I don't like that word because when you're at work, it's not family. It's different. No, that's you right. Treat each other with the same level of respect that you would treat your family or your best friend, with the same level of empathy, with the same level of support. 
and we look after each other and we achieve ridiculous stuff together. And I think, you know, when you look at our values and these have been my values for the business since day one, and we do this big induction and we talk about them, but we also give culture awards every month to someone in the business that has been demonstrating extraordinarily well, one of the cultural values. Um, And so the first one is empathy in everything we do for the customers. We develop products that serve their needs. We give them service that serves their needs. We only exist because of them and everything we do should be always with the customer for our colleagues every single one of us is supporting each other and only together do we win. Yep. And um, for our, for our suppliers and partners. Right. So that's the first one. The second one is hard work. We expect and accept that doing something great takes hard work. We're not looking for a shortcut and we understand that doing something that no one has ever done before will take a humongous amount of work. And we know together we will achieve it. Um, we have this big thing around, it's not a question of if it's a question of when, because if we are all pushing in the same direction all the time, we know that eventually we will get there. And that's the difference between success and failure in in my opinion. And then lastly, it's innovation. So we have this whole thing around always in beta, nothing is broken, but everything can be improved forever. Yeah. 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 Love that. Yeah. Every, um, always in beta is great because it, it, it's never a finished article. Nothing's ever a finished article, is no, it? Nothing. Not the product, not the protocols, not anything. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, um, uh, thank you for that. I, I, I love learning about other, other people's cultures within their, within their organizations and, and, and how that, you know, whether that resonates or not, but you, you just learn something from, from everyone when speaking about different, uh, different aspects of a culture within a business, but you know what? There's two things that always come up, and that's empathy and respect. Um, and mm-hmm. I, I think that's really important. It's something I try and teach, um, you know, the kids, uh, even even when they get back from school. You know, it's all about being empathetic to others, but also respecting others for who they are. So uh, th- that's fantastic. We're coming up at the the end of our time, and 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 um, I, I know we could, we could continue for a long time, but. Um, before I go into a, a couple of other final questions, now seems to be a time with, you know, COVID was a time where everyone um, looked at, you know, looked in the mirror and thought, am I in the right position? Am I in the right role? Do I want to work for myself? Do I want to start up a company to myself, you know, for myself? You've done it successfully a few times now. Is there any any advice you'd give to someone wanting to start their own business or, or, or want to, you know, maybe pivot away from their current career and go down a different career path? Is there one, is there something, not one, but is there either one, two, three, or, or many uh, bits of advice you would give someone that are, that are currently at those crossroads? I think, you know, I've, I've been very, I'm not lucky at all. I, I worked really hard to get yeah. to where I am, but yeah. I think, the thing that's different about, I've worked, I don't know, 18 hours a day, six days a week for 15 years, yeah. right? I don't feel hard done to at all mm-hmm. because I love what I do. Yeah. I love it. And yeah. I feel so strongly about its importance and I feel like it's a privilege to be able to do it. And so I think what I would say to people is if you are unhappy in your role, I think you need to do some soul searching about why that is. Yeah. Is it because you don't like the people you work with? You don't like the management construct of the business that you're in? Or is it because you don't like the actual work that you do? Yeah. And if you don't like the actual work that you do, it's never too late to retrain, to learn something new. And the freedom of information now 
means you can literally learn anything you want, anything you want, if you are so inclined and stubborn enough to stick to it and disciplined enough to, to learn it. And so I think there's nothing stopping people in changing career paths, either to set up their own business or to find another role in another business or within another industry. But I think what you want to make sure that you do, if you're going to be an entrepreneur, it is not glamorous like everybody makes it out. It is not Richard Branson on a plane on a private island. It is a humongous, humongous amount of sacrifice yeah. and a humongous amount of time and and also really, really very sketchy and very scary situations that you have to go through. So if you're going to do that and you're going to go down that road, good for you, but you better find something that you love because if you don't love it, you will not stick to it and the whole thing will be a waste. Yeah, that's that's great. That's really, really good. I love that. You know, if you're not passionate about something, you're never going to get it 100%. I don't care who you are. If, if it's not in your heart and it's not something that puts fire in your belly, you're never going to give it 100%. I, I completely agree. Um, before we get into the final three, and I love our quick fire three questions, I've got one final question for you about the future. And no, it's not about Michael J. Fox on a hoverboard or a DeLorean or anything like that. <laughs> um, tell us about the future of Nourished Where, what, and, and, and Remedy Health. What, what, what does the future look like? The future for our business is extremely exciting. We're already seeing some of the things that I had as my plan for the beginning of the year come into play. So this year alone, we're going to be expanding into the European Union mm-hmm. and Asia, as well as already being quite aggressively trading in the United States and North America and the UK, of course. Yep. We, are, we just launched yesterday Nourish Protein, the world's first personalized protein bar. Wow. And we developed an entirely new printer, entirely new ingredient formulations. It launched yesterday. It's a ridiculously good product. It has hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of different flavor combinations, the ability to add functional ingredients. It's just ridiculously good. I'm so excited about it. And I'm so proud of my team for developing something that's so, so ridiculously good. And the next product that we're about to start developing now is Nourish Pets, which will be personalized, functional pet treats, which I believe will be so extremely welcomed because I think at the moment you can get you can get pet treats, you can get pseudo personalized pet food, but why shouldn't animals also now you know you love your animal. Yeah. I love my dog like yep. every other member of my family and I want my dog to have the best health possible. I buy I spend a ridiculous amount of <laughs> money and energy on making sure that my dog is having a good life. <laughs> and I think you know, our technology lends itself to be able to do something there as well. On the other side of the business, Scripted, the the medicine business, is working extremely hard on creating both easier to use uh, formats, but also personalized formats of personalized medication for pediatrics for children. Well, oh, that's fantastic. That's really interesting. Yeah. I love the sound of that. I'm going to keep a very close eye on that. Um, (laughs) And especially the pet. Actually, funny you should say about the pet treats because my wife and I were just talking. We just got a we got a cat at Christmas time, and and we had a cat twenty. We had two cats twenty years ago, and she turned around to me and said, "I don't think I've ever loved a, an animal more than I love this cat." You know, and and goes out and buys new bedding for him and and and, and all that kind of stuff. So I I think that's a that's that's a worldie in regards to the pet treats. I love I love the sound of that. I'm going to keep a close eye on that. Um. 
Melissa, thank you. I I really have enjoyed the journey that um, that you've taken me through, and um, you know, the from the the idea of spilling vitamins in in Dusseldorf Airport to <laughs> to 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 where you are today, and and obviously studying in the beautiful Lake District, and um, it, it just sounds like a, a very uh, you know hardworking, um, um, really robust and 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 focused. Uh, 10 to 15 years, 20 years that you've had. Um, and I've just loved listening to, this, to the journey. So thank you for sharing it all with us and being so open. Um, I want to go through the quick fire questions now. Top of your head, whatever comes to mind, go with it. The first one for you, though, is what is the best advice you've ever received and do you still implement that to this day? Yeah, so this is from my mother. The easy way and the right way are never the same way. And she's absolutely right. And I use that as a barometer when I'm making a really difficult decision. And um, it's never really steered me wrong. I follow it to a T and I think about it still like every week. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Yeah. We, uh, people in this podcast hear me quote uh, a quote from my dad that, that, that I, I probably do on every podcast, to be honest with you. And it's a champion team uh, will always be the team of champions. Um, and it, it's it's amazing how how powerful our parents are. Even though at the time, Melissa, we said, "Oh, what do you know?" You know, um, it's 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 really good. If um, is there for me? Is there a you've been successful? You've sold you know a few businesses and and all that. Is there one treat that you purchased and went, "Yes, I've done it." <laughs> um. Let me think. I didn't warn you on this question, by the way, and there's a reason for that. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I'm trying to think if I got myself something. Um, I paid for my mom and dad to go on a tour of Europe, like business class and stuff, and come and visit me. And yeah. that was probably my favorite thing that I that I bought. And how and how exciting is to do that and to see their faces when you do I that? I loved it so much. Yeah. It was wonderful. I really enjoyed it. I love that. I love that. That's that's a fantastic one. And finally, Melissa, the the, the number three question in our quickfire three: If you were deserted on a desert island, what is the one item you would bring? Can I say nourished? <laughs> if you hadn't have, I would have been very disappointed. I probably would bring a nourished printer if I'm being honest, and I think I could make yeah anything I needed. Yeah. Well, let's face it; you wouldn't need anything else, would you? No, not really. <laughs> Melissa, thank you so much for your time today. I've thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. And and um, I wish you and and, and the business uh, the, all the very best success, uh, certainly as you as you take uh, the business into Asia and, and, and the EU um, markets that are never easy to go into regardless of what industry you're in. But uh, with your passion, dedication, and and, uh, and and love for what you do, I have nothing but uh, uh, hopes or, or, or I know it's going to be a tremendous success. So, uh, so thank you for joining us today. It's been a pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. And all the best to you and your team as well. Thanks so much, Melissa. Thanks so much, Melissa, for your time today in chatting about your journey and the exciting times ahead at Nourished. Melissa's story is all about being inquisitive, wanting to learn more about things and following a passion. And I know that resonates with so many entrepreneurs or certainly the ones I've spoken to. Setting up a small company while studying for an MBA, making that into a success and an earnout, and then developing 3D printer technology to produce bespoke health goods is simply amazing and a story everyone should hear. 
Melissa's passionate about her company, but most importantly, her team and the culture of the business she continues to build. Empathy and respect are the key elements to that culture, which are massively important to any successful business. Her statement that the easy way and the right way are never the same is great, and I know a lot of people that would absolutely agree with that. Melissa, good luck with your new product ranges and the expansion into the EU and Asia. Thanks for joining me, everyone, and remember, take care, stay safe, and keep on innovating.